This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Outer Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello, and welcome to our monthly podcast on the big themes dominating markets and their investment implications. I'm Swaha Pashnaik, Head of Publishing, and I'm joined by Monica Defend, who leads the Amundi Investment Institute. Monica, great to have you with us. Thank you, Swaha, and welcome back. So it's our last episode of this year. And as we've already released our special two-part outlook package, which you should definitely check out, we're going to focus on some of the new information that's been coming through to see how it feeds into our thinking. Monica, one of your main calls for 2024 is that there'll be changes on the monetary policy front after the massive rise in interest rates we've seen this year. How much do you think recent policymakers' comments and economic data support that expectation? Thank you, Swa. First, on the on the changes, uh, we think uh, they will come later in the year, so probably um, sometimes around the second quarter, and. With this call, we are definitely not aligned with the consensus that is uh, much less passionate and is calling uh, for uh, cuts to, to come earlier. We don't think this will be uh, the case uh, for the following reasons. The inflation battle is not over. We have seen uh, yesterday uh, the, in the CPI in the United States uh, just released showing still uh, the stickiness that we were expecting on the core uh, inflation. When it goes to the euro area, the ECB is still concerned about, about uh, wage growth that is increasing. Uh, there is an increase in union labor costs because productivity is declining and because uh, discussion on uh, indexing to uh, the new levels of inflation of wages is still uh, undergoing and won't be completed before uh, April. There are some seasonal factors that uh, are going in, in, into place so that core inflation and headline uh, inflation will be higher over the next couple of months. And third, unemployment is still reasonably low, so the ECB uh, is not really uh, in, a, in a rush. Probably the labor market, from whatever angle you look at it, is the key variable both the Fed and the ECB will be looking at. So one thing on that, central banks were caught off guard by the scale and the persistence of price pressures after the pandemic, and they're now very understandably keen to safeguard their credibility. You were just talking about the inflation battle not being over as quickly as market consensus may be thinking, and the central bank's awareness of that wage spiral because of the lag with which wages you know, rises and uh, setting response to inflation. How long and what do you think it will take for them to be really confident that they can declare victory over inflation? Well, on the wage spiral, honestly, I don't think uh, this is uh, this is the case, in particular in the euro area and in the United States. Having said that, uh, probably um, as we have in our cuts for the time being, uh, end of May and, and June uh, for the Fed and ECB uh, to start uh, uh, cutting, this is the window uh, they are uh, going to use uh, to see really inflation moving lower, having in mind that in any case, we don't think that uh, the um, inflation uh, prints will land to the target uh, to 2% by the end of 2024. The direction 
uh, is is correct, but it won't uh, be be linear. And the final destination will be a bit above uh, the central bank's target by the end of 2024. Thank you. So we're talking about sort of uh, many Western central banks and the expectations for rate cuts. But obviously, the big exception to all of this is Japan, where after decades and decades of ultra easy monetary policy, the Japanese central bank, the BOJ, is starting to take a different tack. How do you see things unfolding there? And how is that filtering through to your views on Japanese assets? But as you were mentioning, eventually uh, Japan is experiencing some kind of inflation, uh, which has not been the case over the last decades. And by the way, we do expect a Japanese, uh, Japanese growth to be uh, quite uh, constructive uh, next uh, next year. Actually, probably this is the best um a growth rate that we are going to see among uh, the advanced economy uh, next year. With this in mind, uh, there will be a change in the yen next year, uh, meaning that as soon as the US enters into a recession, then the yen should display its uh, safe haven nature. And with this will uh, change uh, a bit uh, the, uh, the investment uh, environment. Having said that, when it goes to Japanese uh, equities, in particular in the um, beginning of the year, we think uh, that the asset class will still be favored uh, by uh, the corporate governance reform the under-allocation by households and pension funds, and also some growing interest from foreign uh, investors. Also, as we were mentioning, the cyclical conditions are favorable as well as valuation. When it goes to JGB, we have been um, trimming the underweight in uh, Japanese uh, government bonds with the idea uh, that the central banks, uh, the central bank, the Bank of Japan uh, will end uh, the negative uh, rates policy, policy in uh, in January and, and probably uh, we will see the JGB um, around uh, 1%, 1%. So probably this, this space there uh, for uh, getting um, extra returns is narrowing progressively. So let me ask you one question when you're talking about those extra returns and 1% in JGB terms is sort of very high relative to what we've seen historically in the last couple of decades, as you said. Um, So one question that often comes up is that if those yields are rising, will it be an attraction for Japanese investors to pull a lot of money that they've placed abroad back home? And would there be some sort of impact on other global bond markets as a result? What's your view on that? Well, when it goes to the Japanese uh, investors, they are uh, heavily uh, invested uh, in in treasury, and this uh, will uh, will be maintained while the big buyer of the uh, Japanese bond market is the, the central bank, is the is the Bank of Japan. Honestly, I don't really expect big uh, changes of flows in that direction, and not even in the global perspective. I don't really think that this will be uh, a game changer in the global bond market allocation. Okay, well, that's good to know, because given that you've painted a pretty positive backdrop for fixed income with inflation coming down, central bank policy on the turn, um, etc. What are your investment convictions on fixed income then? 
Well, with the uh, central banks uh, pivoting, pivoting, notwithstanding uh, the large movement uh, that uh, the uh, yields uh, and the curve, uh, curves have been experiencing uh, recently, we do maintain um, a long duration uh, in the uh, U.S. curve. And we always mention that we are agile, meaning that we are tactically, you know, readjusting and, and taking profit uh, on the uh, on the on the position. But uh, while it's slightly reduced, uh, I would say that the position on U.S. Treasury remains uh, long. On the credit, uh, we've been progressively slightly reducing also the positive uh, beta exposure, maintaining the preference for IG uh, credit and some caution on uh, on high yield. This is really related to the progressive tightening uh, of financing condition that uh, that uh, we expect to, uh, to 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 come in. While on emerging markets, uh, on emerging market bonds, uh, this is definitely one uh, of our key preference. Uh, this relates uh, to the growth premium uh, of the uh, emerging markets versus the advanced economy, the asynchrony of the emerging market central banks versus uh, the uh, developed market central banks. And last but not least, if the Fed pivot and uh, the uh, US dollar weakens, definitely uh, there will be much further space uh, for uh, positive uh, returns on the emerging market hard currency and local currency. Perfect. So could, let's turn to equities and see where you see potential opportunities um, going ahead. When it goes to uh, to, to regions, still, uh, as we were mentioning, uh, Japanese equities, the UK uh, equities, because of the sector composition of the index, uh, moving into the United States, there is this risk of concentration. If you uh, carve out uh, the mega caps uh, from the S&P 500, really, uh, the, the performance is much, much less uh, appealing. Uh, we uh, favor segments as quality, value, or broadly speaking, those who, remains, uh, who remain uh, exposed to structural themes such as um, automation, electrification, some more related to the net uh, zero uh, condition. But uh, if I have to spots on the themes uh, for next year, definitely it will be uh, related to uh, life science, artificial intelligence, uh, CAPEX and net zero transition. Thank you. And what about in Europe and sort of maybe the banking sector? What, what do you see there? Well, in the banking sector, definitely there are some opportunities uh, given uh, the, the movement that has been seen on the on the rates front. But we are monitoring uh, credit uh, credit risk now. Um, in general, we like renewable energy, um, but uh, the bubble we think in the sector as uh, as bust uh, actually bust. Um, Probably these, the corporates, the corporates that still have space, um, to run a capital expenditure and the next generation fund, uh, employment should uh, be a further help, uh, into, uh, into on this, on this side will definitely, uh, help the uh, European equity index. Great. Well- Let's loop back to emerging markets, which you were talking about before. We've had some elections this year. We've got a bunch coming up next year. Are there any particular picks where you see idiosyncratic risks or really good opportunities? You've already mentioned a couple, but um, where you really see standouts? 
Well, to look for uh, opportunities in the emerging market, short term, the game changer will be the Fed uh, pivoting, while long term, uh, there is this uh, Transi economic transition uh, that uh, the most of the countries, in particular in, in Asia, have been starting a uh, few uh, years ago, and that will continue allowing them to be more um, more focused on domestic growth and less dependent uh, from uh, from international and, and and global dynamics. And definitely, the supply chain reallocation uh, is uh, one big uh, big theme. Uh, so, countries such as India, Indonesia, Vietnam, Brazil are definitely uh, the the countries and regions that uh, we are going to benefit in the months to come. Great. Monica, we're unfortunately nearly out of time, but I'd like to squeeze in one last question in keeping with the season. Um, it's sort of the time of year when various dictionaries and media outlets pick their word of the year. Um, uh, for example, the Oxford University Press, which publishes the Oxford English Dictionary, has picked Riz, which I gather may be derived from charisma and apparently means something very similar. Let me put you on the spot, Monica. If we were doing a financial version of the word of the year, what would yours be? Disorder. <laughs> and this is, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to frighten uh, anyone, but really this new global disorder uh, that uh, we are experiencing and that will continue probably not only next year, but uh, even even beyond uh, as uh, the result of the transitions that we are seeing in the policy, in the economic, in the geopolitical, in the technology. Uh, it's uh, really um, something uh, quite relevant and that will uh, change the, the curse of the financial markets. And probably life science, uh, if you allow me the second word, because uh, it relates to this uh, um, revolution and evolution on several fronts, uh, from aging population down to healthcare and techno technological advances. And probably there uh, is where we will uh, investigate much of the investment opportunities. Great. Thank you for giving us something to watch out for and also the opportunities. That's great. I uh, appreciate all your insights, Monica. Thank you, Swa, and uh, I wish you a fabulous 2024. Thank you, Monica. And thanks to you for joining this episode. We'll be back on the other side of the new year, as Monica said, and we hope you'll tune in then. Happy holidays. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2014-65-EU, dated 15 May 2014, as amended from time to time on markets and financial instruments, called MIFID II. Views are those of the author and not necessarily Amundi Asset Management SAS. They are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice, as a security recommendation, or as an indication of trading for any Amundi products or any other security, fund units, or services. Past performance is not a guarantee or indicative of future results.